This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that every Christian should be a constant and devoted reader of the Bible, and that the primary business of the church and its ministry is to lead, foster, and encourage people in this life-changing habit. Okay, so we're jumping back in the book of Luke. Man, we haven't made that much progress here. We're still in... Uh, <laughs> this is week four. Yeah, Luke, Luke chapter one through six, and so we'll see how much ground we can cover today. Unfortunately, Johnny's not with us today, but we do have uh, Ben, Lenny, Dave, and myself as we jump in here. What were you going to say, Ben? I was listening to it on the way in, and I'm like, I'm going to start at chapter three, because we've done one and two pretty deep right now. We yeah. might as well go back in there. I don't know. But. Sure. Well, hey, jump, jump start right in, off. Ben. Start chapter, us off, then. Chapter three, Gospel of Luke. Take it away, Ben. Oh, I Enlighten don't... us. Oh, I, I was... Uh, okay, you're going to throw it at me. Okay. Um, you just said you want to start in chapter three. <laughs> no, I just said yeah, like, listening oh, to chapter you, you three. Can I, can I just start in oh. chapter three? <laughs> Luke, three, Luke 3, verse 4. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah? How do you say that? Isaiah? Isaiah. Had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled, and the mountains and hills will be made level. The curves will be straightened, the rough places made smooth, and then all the people will see the salvation sent from God. Now, I know we are told that the basically the New Testament is a fulfillment of all what was foretold in the Old Testament, and you're told this, but today I kind of like literally this morning kind of realized it really is. Because like just look like all these stuff that like and they, they constantly in the New Testament always go back and say, well in the Old Testament it said this and now it's being fulfilled and it's like when you know Jesus riding the colt or uh, this is talking about John the Baptist out in the wilderness saying he's coming he's coming he's coming which was foretold mm-hmm. and it's just it's just crazy to see like it brings so much validity. Like, you know, people, like we talked about in the last, uh, the last group of books about, like, you know, does the Old Testament still have any relevance? And it's like, yeah. And it's, it's like, it ties a whole thing together. It actually proves, in it proving Jesus is who he says he is. Because here it was, it was foretold in all these other places, and here it is happening. Exactly. There's so much reference in the New Testament uh, to the Old Testament uh, verses, whether it's John the Baptist or Jesus or Paul, somebody using quotes from one of the prophets or one of the books of the Old Testament. You're exactly right, Ben. It is intertwined, and that's why, again, we've pointed out so many times that when we studied the minor prophets that it is relevant. But if you don't want to start there and if you don't want to read those, just jump in anywhere, jump in somewhere. Read Luke. And, and I want to make a point, point I want to point out that that's, uh, that's what we do here again. Uh, and, you know, we, 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 we definitely marinate this, Judah says, or, you know, crockpot it because mm-hmm. we're not in a rush to finish the Bible. We're, we're here to study it and to learn it and to sift out everything that we can uh, that would uh, affect our lives positively and other people's lives. So we're in no rush to get through it. So when we we joke about it that we've been on the first two chapters for four weeks, it's because we do this in detail. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, when we're going to talk about like a little of the philosophy of what we do here. It's um, like when they go and like they do like a pig roast. They will bury a pig underground and let it roast for like a day or something. Like, you know, or... Um, 
how do you like like Judah? You like your coffee a certain way, where you rather have it like where Lenny will take it and actually pour the water very slowly on top of the grains. Yeah, right? Pour over the pour over exactly. Yeah. I was like I forgot the term, but yeah, it could because it takes time, but it's better. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing that we do here. Stay staying on three though, Ben. If uh, you are through with that commentary on that. Uh, Excuse me, he's a voice shouting in a wilderness. We go down to chapter 3, verse 10 through 14. And I'll read that because there's not a lot there. In my book, it says, The crowds asked, meaning asked John, What should we do? John replied, If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? He replied, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? Asked some soldiers. John replied, don't extort money or make false accusations and be content with your pay. Notice he doesn't tell them to violate any rules. He doesn't tell the tax collectors, don't collect tax. Right, yeah. he, he, he just says, you know, only collect what you're supposed to do. Whatever the government requires. Mm. Uh, almost uh, uh, foreshadowing when Jesus said, uh, give, give to Caesar, Caesar what right. is Caesar's right. Right. and give right. to God what is God's. But but focusing on those four verses, 10 to 14, John lays out right away, and Luke relates this to us, uh, spells out the implications of the gospel, you know, and, and how we might want to lead our lives. What we, if, if, we, if we keep it in context, okay, he's talking to the people, to tax collectors, uh, to, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to soldiers, but he's talking to us, too. Mm. <laughs> he's talking to us. Think about this. If, okay, if we relate this as an analogy to what we do in our lives, what are we doing? You know, are we living uh, according to the same tenets, the same principles that John is laying out here and that Jesus subsequently laid out during his mission, his missionary work for the few years that he had? It's interesting this as the soldiers, too. Yeah. You know, that, that they were there and listening and then not only just listening, you know, because, I mean, a lot of times I'm sure just like any gathering, you know, police will be there or whatnot to ensure the safety and and they were big uh, against, uh, you know, rioting and such things as that in that culture. So they're there to maintain order. But yet the soldiers are kind of getting involved. They're like, well, what do, what do we need to do? You right. Know? So, yeah. And that's an uh, interesting point. You know, when, right. when I had first read this many years ago and then again and again, I didn't pick up the soldiers part. Now I did. That's why I wanted to at least say this. I mean, there's certainly the task collectors. But as you just said, the soldiers were there because the Romans had a problem with the Jews, you know, always riding, and the Jews were always riding at, at any, you know, at a drop of a pin, they would ride. So yeah. they had the soldiers there. But again, just backing up what Judah said, because it's so important, they asked themselves. Mm. It, it, you know what that says to me is that John was such a powerful speaker, mm. and his message was had such impact mm. That these soldiers, now you got to picture Roman soldiers. They, you know, they had to be brutal because they they were facing. It's just like you know our local police now going into a domestic, you know, uh, dispute, uh, and and that's one of the worst things they could do. These, these guys were tough, and yet, as Judas said, and and I'm just thinking the power of John. They said, okay, yeah, what can we do? Yeah, yeah. what can we right. do? And he and he tells them right away, 
Don't extort money. Don't make false accusations. And be content with your pay. That's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, And you were talking about like how he was a powerful speaker and people had to thought about him and it continues on at 15. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon and they were eager to know whether John might be Mm. the Messiah. And of course, he tells them that he's you know he's not, but it's that yeah that they really thought that, and then you, that's like modern day you get people who get idolized, and they not another one of them would own say, oh no, I'm not, uh, you know, say well if you think I am, yeah, you know, just go along with it, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah he, you know, well he isn't in the gospel a lot, and you know it phases out, mm-hmm. Jesus takes over, yeah. he 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 makes such an impression, he's so powerful. Uh, it, in, in setting the tone for everything to come. What's interesting, though, that, you know, he's so powerful and it's, he, he has such a powerful speech that, you know, it's very thought-provoking. And in continuing in, in uh, verse 15 there in Luke 3, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. So he was so powerful in his speech that he might, you know, he knew, he knew so much that they were like, well, if you know so much, then why don't you just... Place a label on yourself. <laughs> what I was just thinking about is, uh, so, you know, Lenny's been showing me how to, how to mount stuff. And sometimes you have to do a pilot hole. And that is what John the Baptist is. He's the pilot hole to get us ready for Jesus to come in. Yeah. If we back up just a little bit to verse 8, I just like what he said there in that first sentence there in verse 8. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe because we're descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. But That's but again, amazing right there. I love that part. He can create them out of these very stones. Yeah. Basically saying that God can do anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, because for them, you know, being a descendant of Abraham was a source of pride. Like we talked about last week with the genealogy, Matthew's genealogy tracks... Jesus through Joseph's line back to Abraham, whereas Luke tracks as far as we can tell Mary's genealogy all the way to Adam and then ultimately to God. But they would wear being a child of Abraham as this badge of honor to some extent. He's like, that doesn't really matter. But again, that first verse, it doesn't just, he's not just saying, I mean, even if you go back one verse even previous. Um, the crowd's coming to John for baptism. He says, you brood of snakes, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? Again, prove. That that word is, is essential there, right? Yeah. Because it's not just saying claim or ascribe or wear the T-shirt or get a tattoo or, you know, or, or, or come and do this or join the club or give. He I says, got the wristband. Yeah, prove by the way that you, by what? By the way that you live. Again, not by the radio station you listen to or the podcast you listen to. Prove by the way that you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. So it's an action-based uh, call. And then again, then that's what leads into these people like, well, well how do I prove that? Yes. Tax collectors. Right. Well, hey, don't don't overcharge. Right. That That's the way you can prove. Soldiers, how can we prove that, that we've repented? Well... Don't extort from people. And mm-hmm. and you know what? You get paid a certain amount. Don't stop complaining about it. Because mm-hmm. we know that you all just complain about how much you get paid, you know, or whatever. And and he's just kind of setting that out there. Yeah. And John, in saying those things uh, in 10 for, to 14 there, verses 10 to 14, he obviously was very cognizant of things that went on in society there because he is pointing out those things. 
collect no more taxes than the government requires because he knew that the tax collectors did that. And they did that as a, a, a regularity. And he obviously knew that uh, the soldiers extorted money and might make false accusations against somebody they didn't like. Uh, he knew that. And, and maybe he knew that they complained about the pay. He obviously did because he's saying, don't do these things. Right. Yeah. Luke 3, uh, verse 8, man, prove by the way that you live. That That's, I, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's, it's hard to, to, to keep, keep doing right all the time. Like, like, you know, John is explaining, do this. You want to do, do this, do this. And uh, I feel like I, I've been convicted of that lately where God is like, where have I, when have I said that doing good is going to feel good all the time? Yeah. Right? Like, you know what I mean? You're, you're doing it because you are modeling what it, what it is to, to restore hope and to be a light in a dark place and to, you know, show love in a situation where somebody might not have ever experienced it. And because I've been able to hear that and try to discern that, uh, I was playing basketball uh, like about a week ago, and um, it, it was it was it was a great time. And one of the guys, like I was taking it really easy, but one of the guys got really really upset, really upset, red right in the face, like he wanted to brawl. And I just was like, I didn't because you were dunking over him. Well, we were the same height, so I can't dunk. I know he's not. <laughs> Although in 2022, people do dunk that are five six on a good day. <laughs> but he he was upset. He was frustrated, and I was like, man, like, do you need to take 30 seconds? Like, it's okay. Like, and my teammate was more upset for me that I wasn't getting as upset as he was because he saw what he was doing, and he's like, look, he's getting more upset than you are. This is I'm like. And I look at it, and I was like, dude, it's between me and you. You didn't elbow me. It's okay. You came in with your shoulder. That was a foul, but it's okay. Like, it's me and you, we're playing against you, me and you, right? And he was like, afterwards, he was like, I'm sorry, Lenny. Like, I'm like, it's okay. Let's just keep playing ball, right? So I don't know if I would have been able to react differently. Who knows, right? As guys, we, you, you know, uh, your agility and, you, you know, the, all the mask, the testosterone in the room, everybody wants to play and, you know, and, yeah. and brawl, right? Basketball gets like that sometimes. And it, it was good that I was able to not react. Mm. And it, but, it, but it is, you have to be able to uh, let God work in your heart so that way you don't react. And do some of the things that will help you. Yeah. And show and reflect and mirror who God is. Well, now that Judah brought that line up, I just I want to say it one more time for anybody that may be listening now or in the future. Uh, verse 8, chapter 3. If you just take this line out of it, folks, prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Prove by the way that you live. Don't talk, is what John was saying. Don't talk about it. Don't think that you are a privileged class. And that applies today. Mm. Prove by the way that you live. Mm. Uh, are we doing that ourselves? Are we, you know, we need to introspect ourselves. Are we proving by the way that we live that we've turned to God? That is so important. Thank you for bringing it up, Judah. Wonderful verse. Just that one verse. Basically, it's, it comes down to like, if another Christian comes across you, they should know that you are a fellow Christian without you ever telling them you're not wearing a T-shirt. You're just, they just know. Well done. They just know. Well said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Maybe but loving and kind and displaying the fruits of the Spirit. But but it, it, yeah. it should be an attractive kind of a thing. Like I, we just heard a story uh, this past week, uh, yesterday actually, about somebody 
who has been coming to the church because um, uh, she met or she, there was a, a, a someone in her extended family, I guess, that was married into the family and that relationship had fallen apart and they had known this person to be kind of a maybe an angry, maybe vindictive kind of a person previously and then and then they reconnected recently and she saw this person and said like there was just such a change and mm. this person was so happy and filled with joy and I was like what in the world because you were like the most angry vindictive person previously what's the difference and she explained her faith in Jesus Christ and this lady's like I don't know what that means but I got to explore it and so she started coming to the church as a result of trying to like explore what what this life is like and and that's what it's all about you know um yeah i mean m maybe it seems weird but it should be an attractive thing you know it's 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 attractive well, in the sense of how we how we carry ourselves how we interact with other people the the world and i'm putting the world in quotation marks sure. wants to paint it as weird oh absolutely and it's always like when you watch those movies it's always like the christian character is always like somebody who's, who's like super eccentric right like it's you know i've I've been going to the church now for going on four years, and I am yet to meet somebody who is at that level of eccentricity into the Christian culture. I haven't met like uh, it's hard for an eccentric person to recognize that in someone else. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm just busting yes. you. <laughs> I love it. I, I, you know what? I, I'll I'll own that. Um, <laughs> why not? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, it comes down to like because you were talking about like th their their story, and that's a lot of like how my testimony is, where I saw somebody who um, turned their life around, yeah. and became at least apparently to me they they seem to come across as a different person. Actually, I, no. Actually, actually, I, I didn't see them in person, so I actually did converse with them, and I'm like, they've changed, mm. right? Not as much as they think they did, but they mm. changed. <laughs> it was like I'm a completely different person now. It's like no, that you don't become a completely different. I, I learned now from experience, you don't become a completely different. Like if you were if you were in the gaming before, you're still in the gaming. Oh, you're not gonna be like oh, you know, devil devil toys. No, no, that doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. <laughs> Sometimes it does. Yeah, but yeah, right. but like you know, you still like you know, you, you just how you look at the world yeah. and what you want to go after. And also you start learning a lot of your weaknesses and you learn like, okay, I like this, but I really shouldn't like this, but I know I'm going to like this. So now I have to go and try to not be in a situation where this is around right? type of situation, you know, and it just changes your mindset. And uh, like, yeah, so I saw that I was helping somebody else and I just went, well, you know, if they're help, if it's helping them, Right, and I'm one of the like I, I know probably more than I probably should know about this person, and you know if it's helping them, right. type of situation, I'm like okay, and then they can help. It can help me. A lot of times we think of transformation as being something instantaneous, but really it's a slow, yeah. slow process. I mean, you look in your own life. I mean, how many years have you been following God now? Four years. Four, four years. Come up, come so, up four years. Yeah. So it's like I mean. Um, th there was some good like initial growth there, but then it kind of slows down yeah. maybe, but then you look back, you know, it's like four years. If you looked at yourself five years ago, it's like, you probably don't even recognize yourself in many ways. It's like, yeah, yeah. There's some similar interests. Like, yeah, you still like video games, but I mean, as far as who you are though. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that's why scripture says we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's like the, the old is gone. The new is, is come. It's like. Yeah, I, I'm still I'm still me. I still have some similar interests, but man, the things that defined me 
in the past, the sin, the baggage. Right. I, I, I play Grand Theft Auto now, and I think of the moral implications of my actions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So maybe God's convicting you. Stop playing. <laughs> yeah, if you have to repent after playing a video game, then... Yeah. then uh, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't mean to like snipe those people from that rooftop. Yeah, yeah. So, or steal uh, that car when he's losing it. Yeah. Ben's having a crisis uh, here. Repent of your sins. So, so, all, so we have the the tax collectors asking. We have the soldiers asking, and then the gamers okay. saying, "What must I do?" You know, no, no sniping, no stealing, nothing. You know, inappropriate. No, no, no grand thefting of autos. That's right. Um, changing gears, just just as uh, well, it is it's kind of drastic, maybe, but um, verse twenty one and twenty two. I just think it's interesting. You know, Jesus' baptism here, because this is one of the first times i think that we clearly see the trinity represented you know i know we we discussed a little bit about the trinity last mm -hmm. week um with johnny and here we see the trinity represented right because one day when the crowds are being baptized jesus himself was baptized as he was praying the heavens open so we have jesus right yeah. the heavens open and the holy spirit and bodily form descended on him like a dove so we have the Holy Spirit descending on him like that, a dove. Now, that, we, do you think it's an actual dove? Well, in, in the form of a dove. In the form of a dove. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it was an actual like dove that he just like flew off and had a nest after. You no, know? no, no. I mean, but it said no. it came in like a dove. Yeah. But does that mean like it came in a bodily form, like a dove? So you think it actually came in a look like a dove flying in, or it came That's what in? It says. Okay, I'm, I'm just. Yeah, I don't Cause know. Because like, I know doves are now used, like, like I, I now that I know, like, the stories and everything, like, I noticed that like, there's a lot of church organizations that use doves yeah. in some respect. Well, and, that, and that's generally why. But anyhow, Jesus there, the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove, Jesus had already been prophesied over that he was going to be filled with the Spirit. And then, and a voice from heaven saying, saying what? You are my dearly loved son. Who says son? A father says son. So we have God the Father being represented, God the Son being represented, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, all here at Jesus' baptism. How can we explain the Trinity, an egg, water, fidget spinner we talked about last week? This is how we explain the Trinity, right? I mean, this is the best illustration that we have, that Jesus is getting baptized, Holy Spirit is descending on him, a voice from heaven, this is my Son, who I am well pleased. I don't know. I don't know much better than that. So, and then we go into genealogies from there, and then I think that's pretty much takes us to the end of the that chapter. But uh, any other thoughts there, or, or anything else that stand out to you guys? We 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 spoke of on Luke four last week a little bit. I want to jump to Luke five a little bit, um, just because this actually like really popped out to me. Uh, Luke five, uh, verse two. He noticed two empty boats. At the water's edge, for the fishermen had left, and then, and they were washing where they were washing their nets. And so, in verse three, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And it's you know the first disciples there. That's what it's titled in Luke five. So what I love about that is, I I came to God empty, wanting to give Him all of me, and I wanted to jump into ministry. And man, He has filled me right I, I came in as 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 an empty vessel and because I came empty 
and asked him to fill me, he's been, he's, he's carried me through till, till now. And it's just, I just was able to kind of just relate it to like where, where like, to, to my now, because he still, he, he continued to teach. Like he didn't, like, he didn't like just say, here you go. Like, like what, what Judah pointed out, you know, with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, it carries enough weight for itself. You present the gospel, you go like this, here you go. And it, and it, it kind of is up to the person for their inter- interpretation. Um, and so like the pressure is not always on just the disciple. Like the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, man, like it really is uh, 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 such a driving force for the gospel to be presented. Like I know we like we see the illustration that that Judah was talking about, but with the, like the Holy Spirit, it's still like it's very hard to fully wrap your head around. It's like one of those things. Like every time I think I figured it out, I'm like, oh wait a minute, but there's this part over here. Okay, and now I'll try it again. It's like you know, it's just, and I can never fully <clears throat> grasp what it is. But that comes back to the whole thing of do not fall, you know, do not depend on your own understanding. Well, it says, and and it says he noticed. Yeah. He noticed two empty boats. I don't notice I'm empty until like I hate where I'm at, right? And then I want to be filled, right? So when you come to God, he can fill you. It's kind of like what I'm grabbing from that. You know, he noticed that, you know, they, that, anyways, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I hear you, dude. I hear you. Yeah, it's sometimes you don't notice it. And yeah, until like it's too late. Like the whole thing with getting filled, it's very important. Like you got, like you're always talking about, like you want to fill. Like and Judah talks about always pouring from an overflow. Yeah, because in verse four it says, like, you know, now we can go where it is deeper, and like then you can cast your nets there, right? And so it's not just like surface level, yeah, right. It's not just a surface level relationship that God wants with us. You're finding a deeper meaning in this, and I didn't. That, that's cool. Yeah, where it's a, almost foreshadowing of what's the. Well, call. how are you going to prove yeah. by the way that you live? Yeah. Right. Well, also, I'm talking about he's foreshadowing his own ministry, too. Yeah. He's like, I'm starting here, but I'm going to go deeper, and you guys are going to help me, and we're going to make this happen. Yeah. Where it says in four, um, and I may have mentioned this last week, I know it just seems so familiar, unless it's deja vu, but yes, he does say, now, what word is deeper, and let down your nets to catch some fish. So Jesus wants to take us deeper in our lives. Uh, that, that is the analogy that I get, the symbolism that I get. Yes, certainly they caught more fish than they'd ever caught before when they did let down their nets out there, but that's what Jesus is saying. <laughs> that's where <clears throat> the productivity is going to be for these apostles to let down their nets out in deep water, so to speak, wherever that may be. Uh, and it doesn't have to be in water, obviously. It's on land. But um, in, 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 I think Jesus is saying there, too, when he takes them out into the deep water, we need, uh, they needed to, but also we need to relinquish our security, our sense of uh, mm. safeness and being mm-hmm. secure all the time. Mm-hmm. Go out into the deep water. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus will take care of you if you believe in him. If you believe in him, and if you are a true Christian, you can go out into that deep water, you can give up the security that you have as they ended up doing, and that Jesus has asked us to do. But a lot of times we may be more reluctant to do that in our lives. We're comfortable. I don't know what's currently happening with Kanye West, but a couple years ago he went and converted to being a Christian, he released a Christian album, and he is a net. And he has a huge audience, which is very deep water. And a lot of people did convert. I don't know a lot how what the retention rate is, but a lot of people converted. They became, uh, they got baptized. And like, I was just for some reason thinking like modern day, 
like what we do, like we do a TV show Sunday mornings, 6.30. We don't advertise it because we're, we're not looking for people who are already going to church to watch it, the same sermon again next week, Sunday. Mm-hmm. There, you know, we want to get new people. That's our net. In our production, that's the attractiveness of the net. And they're like, okay, we'll hang out for a little bit. Oh, this is kind of cool. Oh, okay, let's go to the website. And then, you know, hopefully they convert, they change your life, transformation. And at least that's how I look at certain things like that we do is they talk about fishermen. And they go like, hey, we are fishermen of, fi- fishermen of men. And as a church, we need to, that's our net. And you ask, well, why do we make it all pretty? Why do we have music? Why do we have this? Why do we have that? We're trying to catch fish. When you're out fishing, you just don't go there and have nothing on your on your hook. You have some kind of bait. I'm not saying that the music is a bait, but you come in and you know, like you know, you're gonna have a good time, or you go there and your kids have a good time, and it's like we got to go again. Mm-hmm. There you go. All of a sudden, now you're reading your Bible every day. You're converted. Welcome to the club. You know, <laughs> so you know that's. I don't know why I'm like thinking about all this, but it, you know, this is. Yeah. But you got me thinking about nuts. That's all. <laughs> if we skip down to uh, verse 27, chapter 5. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector, Levi, which is Matthew, sitting there, follow me, be my disciple. Leaves, follows. Later, then Levi has a banquet in his home, with Jesus is the guest of honor, and all of his buddies come there. And what I was really getting to is verse 30. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think who think they're righteous, not those who are righteous, those who think they're righteous, and the implication is there is you think that you are, but you really aren't. I have come not to call those who think they're righteous, but to those who know, no doubt, that they are sinners and need to repent. And uh, and I just think that's very uh, revealing of the heart and character of Jesus, that he was there with these people, the scum, not the elites, you know. And, and then even in our own life, you know, I, I mean, number one, we were or are like these people. We were the you know, we've all sinned and we've all short, fallen short of God's standard. But then on the flip side, how are we also representing this to our world? Are we like, well, you know what? Um, I'm not going to hang out with these people because they're they're beneath me or they're below me or whatever. It's like, oh, I would never be caught there in that environment talking to those kind of people. And, and yet that was Jesus's mission was not to be around the healthy. And that's that's a challenge that I've faced in my own life being you know a minister and whatnot is that it's very easy to insulate and isolate and only be around people that share similar beliefs as myself and when you're in that situation you become you're you're in this echo chamber where everyone agrees with you and everybody is you know following Jesus but Jesus wasn't hanging out with people like that he wasn't looking for people like that he was looking for the people that were far from God. And, and, and that's where like in my own life, I've had to challenge myself. Okay. How, how can I be around people that are far from God, be friends with them, love them and hopefully make a difference in their life, which in my own life, you know, I've, I've been able to do to some extent through some of my hobbies and interests and, and things like that. But it's just a, just a interesting thing that Jesus, you know, he really valued the, the nobodies, I guess. 
Yeah, he, he, he says it in those lines that, you know, the good news isn't for the highly regarded people, you know, your Pharisees and people in the upper crust, so to speak, but it's, it is for, okay, tax collectors, uh, women, Gentiles, Samaritans, mm -hmm. all the people that nobody would expect the good word, the, the good news to be for. That's only for me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a tax collector, Ben, or a Samaritan? Well, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the religious leaders did think that, that it was going to be for them, that they were going to be the, the uh, cream of the crop, the premier, mm. the elevated ones, right? They, they made it their goal to yes. be in a good position to recognize the Messiah when he came, and yet the ones who recognized the Messiah were the down and outers, you know, the people that, that had nothing else, you know, they had nothing. They're like, we're the rejects of society. We're the, the hookers, the scumbags, the drunkards, the, um, the, the, the cheats, the thieves, whatever. And worse yet, they do work on the Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, as you're saying that, Jude, it makes me think, makes certain people stand out more <laughs> that, that, were elevated people, such as Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus, mm -hmm. people that were high, higher class. They were the exceptions that, right. that that stand out to me. As you're saying that, you know, it wasn't for these people because they thought they were, you know, they had it all anyway. But but Nicodemus, who was, you know, certainly, and, yeah. and I love the way he's portrayed in the yeah. Chosen, yeah. and and who well, the Centurion, for instance, or whatever he was, the soldier that wanted his servant healed from Jesus. Those people did get the word; they understood it, right. and and that's why. They stand out more to me uh, than than any of the other yeah. the Pharisees or anybody else because they got it uh, along yeah. with uh, the you know this, the the lower class people right. that you know were poor and uh, women that you know understood the word here. So there are a few exceptions and they stand out. Well, any time in life that you think you know it all, you run into the problem of getting outdated and antiquated really quickly right and it's like whenever in business as soon as you think that you've got the edge and we you know we cannot be dethroned it's like you know you go back in time i mean you know 10 15 years ago who who is the king of cell phones you had nokia right and and who who's <laughs> yeah, nokia right. now um <clears throat> because they thought hey we're we're, we're the behemoth like yeah. oh a computer company's going to release a phone like what's a computer company doing you know and uh and they didn't see it and they're like oh iphone what's that and yeah. you know and then who's nokia now um and, and motorola said, yeah yeah. I mean, yeah motorola i mean all these things and and the reason still lasting on one charge probably well yeah yeah probably so <laughs> indestructible some of them but but the the point being is that the many of the pharisees they thought well we we know this stuff mm. right but what's mm. different and, and like you said, I, I agree. Wow. I liked how the Chosen portrayed Nicodemus because even though he was in the upper echelons and they called him teacher, he viewed himself as a student, mm -hmm. right? And so he viewed himself as one who is still continuing to learn. Yeah. And, and as soon as we cut off that and we're like, oh, oh, I know. It's wow. like, no, we, we need to continually be teachable. What, with whatever it is, I mean, you could say in, in family and in work and, and all these things, but more specifically, even in our own faith, it's like wow. continuing to go to scripture. Yeah. And I, I know people like want to argue things in scripture. And, and I'll have discussions with, with 
anybody about scripture and look at their side and we can have respectful things and I'll explore what they're saying and hopefully they can explore what I'm saying. But nine times out of 10 or more, uh, the people that want to have these discussions, they want you to look at their side, but they don't want to look at your side. <laughs> right. And, and this is anything. This is politics. This is anything right now. It's like, I was just going to say, it sounds like my liberal friends. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We could have unity as long as you agree with yeah, me. Yeah, 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 exactly. There you well, go. And, and ironically enough, that was that was kind of part of the uh, the the inaugurational speech, you know, uh, a year and a half or whatever it was ago, when it was like we we look for unity, but the subtext was we want unity as long as you agree with us, and, and that's what everybody on both sides of the political aisle we want unity. I'm not going to take a step in your direction. You have to take a step in my direction so we can have unity. And and again, it's like we see that throughout this this uh, this narrative. Compromise is agreeing with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and, and and in some ways, I mean, you know, we we aren't supposed to compromise our faith. But the thing of it was was people like Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea or the Centurion, who they're they're vastly different. The Centurion versus Joseph and, and Nicodemus, uh, but they all had this inquisitiveness of maybe there's something to this man, Jesus. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, in, and I was just saying that chosen Nicodemus to me mm. comes across as extremely curious. The curiosity mm. level mm. is right. is peaked, right. and he wants to know. Uh, inquisitive, if you, as you call it, Judah, but just curious. He needed to know. You know, this way he went to see John. So those people were, uh, they were different than, than normal, but they right. were different than each other, too, as Judah uh, said. Right. Yeah. Okay, well, let, let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, I, I think we'll stay here at least one more week, because I don't think we've even really touched into to six yet. So I think we've got enough for at least one more good conversation and, and Luke 1 through 6, probably several more, but, uh, but you know, we gotta, we got to limit ourselves at some point, I suppose. <laughs> Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also consider sharing it on social media. We can't wait to be back together with you at the Thriving in the Word podcast.